As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And today we talked with Ryan Carson, the founder and CEO of Treehouse. So what did you guys learn the most from talking to Ryan? It was just really exciting for me to hear his passion for what he's doing. This was actually a really special episode for me because I am a Treehouse, I wouldn't say graduate, but I use Treehouse to learn how to code. And I've said before, probably a lot of you have heard that it really changed my entire life. And so getting to sit down and talk with Ryan and hear how passionate he is about what he's doing and his ambitions for changing the world in a way was really special for me. 
Yeah, I could really relate to the feeling of having a big problem to solve and that being the motivation rather than just building a business. Because when he was saying how unhappy he was just running a business, even though he was making a couple million, but he didn't feel like he was living up to his potential or leading a team up to their potential. So I thought that part was really interesting and I actually didn't know that about him. He also talked a bit about how their company structured without managers, four-day work week, and some other cool perks that are pretty unique to them. And he talked through how it all works, which was very interesting to hear because I haven't seen many other companies do it that way. Yeah, I'd honestly be a bit scared. Yeah. Um, so. Well, what was most interesting actually for me is that when you hear stuff like that, usually the company has started like that from day one, but they actually did a big transition with a lot of employees to go from a more traditional structure to a flat structure, which I'm sure wasn't easy. All right, well, let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors. CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. Go to CodeShip.com slash Rocketship to get 20% off three months. Customer.io is a modern email platform built for startups. Go to Customer.io slash Rocketship to start sending emails that convert. We'd also like to thank Envision app. Envision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. I can personally say I can't imagine delivering another design comp without it. It made collaborating with our entire team incredibly easy, and the annotation tool alone saved us hours of back and forth. Go to envisionapp.com forward slash rocketship and sign up to get their starter plan free for 90 days. This comes complete with unlimited screens and unlimited collaborators. Trust me, this is an essential tool for teams of all sizes. Treehouse is an online school, and we have 90,000 students around the world. Our goal is to take someone and teach them how to code and how to make apps and take them from zero to job ready in six to 12 months. And then once they're ready, if they're looking for a job, we actually place them in a job. And then the, the second kind of student that we serve is someone like Joel, who, you know, knows about technology, wants to get better and wants to improve their skills now that they have kind of a baseline and get better and better. So we also serve our students that way. We have 75 full-time employees. Uh, I founded the company in 2010 and then brought on a co-founder named Alan, uh, who was our first developer. We've done some venture funding. We've raised about $13 million. The, the thing I'm really proud of is we just hit profitability. So, Oh, congrats. Thanks. We're profitable and we're free. Nice. <laughs> we, we can control our destiny now, so I'm excited about that. And I've just learned a lot you know, through the years by making a lot of mistakes and Treehouse is my fourth company. Two of them failed, and I sold uh, two of them. And so it's been a fun ride. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in uh, online education, like specifically for learning these technical skills in the past couple of years? I think what we're seeing is that it is actually possible now to become job-ready just from learning online. A couple of years ago, it, I don't think it was really possible. You know, none of us knew how to actually teach. You know, we, we, we couldn't exactly match up the skills with the jobs and there wasn't the exploding job market. But now all these things have come together. And now, I mean, as we've seen with someone like you, Joel, we, we can actually affect someone's life and get them a job and change their life. What we've learned is it's really hard. You know, there's kind of an explosion of learn to code websites. And then all of us realized that it was, it was much harder than we thought. And Treehouse, you know, we're obviously doubling down on that and we were working really, really hard at it. And I think we finally cracked it. So I, I think the amazing thing is we're alive at a time where it is actually possible to not know how to code at all 
you know, take six to 12 months to learn how to code online in your free time and then actually get a job. It's insane. I'm so, so, I'm so excited to be doing it. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. It really blows my mind what doors open up with knowledge that you can get. I mean, it definitely takes work. You have to stick with it, but from sitting down in front of your computer and taking, and I don't want to downplay, you know, and say just an online course because they're really well put together. And I know that so much effort is behind each one, but really just sitting down in your own living room and spending the time to, to learn and go through it. And then the opportunities that are available are just mind boggling to me. It's really fun. It is, it is hard work. You know, like I'm learning Python right now on Treehouse and I've never, I've never written a line of it. And it's, you know, it's taken me a good couple months to get to the point where I'm like, Hey, I actually feel totally comfortable writing Python now. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and we've got a lot of work to do though. I mean, one, one thing I've learned as an entrepreneur is that my last business, I worked on it for seven or eight years before I sold it. And I don't have any intention of selling Treehouse ever, but the, the reality is like, I'm going to have to work at least seven or eight years to get to the point where we're, we're starting to achieve our mission at scale. And I've kind of heard that from a lot of entrepreneurs as well. There seems to be this kind of interesting spot where it takes you at least, you know, six or seven years to really, really, you know, start to get good at what you do and make an impact and get big. Do you think that Treehouse has been so successful, not necessarily because you've learned a lot through going through the other companies you've started, but because the need is just so great? Yeah, yeah, it's totally, I'm at the right place at the right time. <laughs> so I was talking to someone about this other day. I was actually some investors because, you know, we're really lucky to have a lot of inbound interest from investors because people can see, hey, the world is changing and, you know, what is going to be the school that really figures this out? And we're lucky to be in the running for that. And so, but I told him the thing that's hilarious about, you know, being an entrepreneur is that you want to believe that it's down to you, but the truth is it's just down to luck and whether you did the right thing at the right time. You know, my last business was a tiny business, you know, it was fun, but we did, you know, maybe a couple million dollars a year in revenue. And that's just because it wasn't a big idea at the right time. And Treehouse just happens to be a world changing idea that I luckily, you know, decided to do at the right time. So it's, it's all about luck. <laughs> How did you get started first with Treehouse? What was the inspiration? I went to college to study computer science, graduated in 2000 and was a programmer. So I, I did PHP for four years at a web design studio and I was actually living in the UK at the time. And, and then I, 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 uh, started to get together with other web professionals and, and we would meet up and have beer and talk about what we we're doing. And I just realized, Hey, I really enjoy connecting people and encouraging them and, and teaching them. So then I launched a business out of that. We did conferences and events and workshops for web designers and web developers. And there wasn't even such a thing as mobile developers really back then. So, um, <laughs> believe it or not. And so did that and then just had a, a really good time. But, but then kind of hit me that, you know, six or seven years into that business, I, I just realized, you know what? I don't think this is really going to change the world. You know, I'm only helping people that are wealthy enough to go to these conferences, you know, that already know about the opportunities, you know, and also I can only help maybe five or 10,000 people a year if I'm lucky. So I just thought, this isn't what I want to die doing. You know, I want to, I want to die doing something bigger and that that will help more people. So we thought, well, maybe we can just take what we do and, you know, record the teachers and put it online. And that was like the very primitive idea. Like, oh, let's just hire some teachers 
and record them and put it online and then charge people to, to watch it. And if we charge a, a low price, you know, 25 bucks a month, then that would be accessible to a lot of people. Yeah. And, and that was literally the first, you know, seed of that idea. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny. You talk about it all taking six, seven years. And I've been following you for a long time. I, I think I went to two of the future web dev conferences in Vegas and watched you guys doing Carsonified and the, the old blog back then. Was that Think Vitamin? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> um, so it's been a long time and it seems really daunting to know that there's going to be this five to 10 year commitment and not know what's going to come after that. It, it is hard. I, and I, I think that's why I'm so thankful that, you know, I'm lucky to be doing something that I enjoy. You know, obviously a lot of people don't have the opportunity to pick their career or, or to have skills that are needed. You know, I was lucky to be doing something I enjoyed that whole time. I enjoy connecting people. But so it wasn't, it wasn't hard work. You know, I was just trying to go somewhere. And, and I think looking, you know, it's easy for us to look at entrepreneurs and think, wow, they must have known from day one that they, they were going to do this big thing. You know, you look at Mark Zuckerberg and, and it's hard to, to not think, oh, the Facebook we see today is the Facebook he had in his mind when he hacked it together, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously that wasn't true. I mean, he just knew sort of a couple months ahead, like, oh, I'm going to build this thing and see what happens. And then it becomes this thing. Same with Twitter, you know. Um, Evan Williams spoke at Future of Web Apps, which was our conference in 2006. And he was just launching Twitter because Odeo had failed. And I remember him being on stage and him talking about Twitter and how they were applying the mistakes they had learned from Odeo into Twitter. And I was kind of feeling embarrassed for him because I thought, oh, Twitter's kind of stupid. <laughs> so, like this is really embarrassing he's talking about how he learned lessons and he's applying them to a stupid idea um and 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 that just goes to show how nobody knew you know and neither did he really how big twitter was going to become and he ended up being on the cover of time magazine right i think that's the problem you know and i i was lucky enough to be on the cover of a magazine recently and it's funny because that that was one of my dreams as an entrepreneur. But I realized the only reason I was there is because I happened to be doing something that matters. So it's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, and you, even though you don't know what you're doing when you get started with everything, what you ended up doing with Treehouse wouldn't have been possible without doing the conferences and all the networking and Carsonified. Exactly. Yeah, so it's a process. And and for me, um, the only reason I'm doing Treehouse now is because I enjoyed I enjoyed the process you know, enough that it was something I, I, I got through. And near the end, I mean, near the end of Carsonified, I was really tired, you know, and I, and I really did want to sell the business. You know, I thought, gosh, I, I don't think I'm really making the difference anymore and I want to do something, something better. And I hope that never happens with Treehouse. I mean, my belief is I'll be passionate about it forever. But, but you know, I, I'm happy now and that, and that pushes me forward, so. That's awesome. I mean, you guys are not only innovating inside like kind of a new space, but you're also innovating your team where you work four days a week. You have 70 people and are completely flat. And recently you got rid of your managerial staff. What has been the, the hardest part of finding kind of a new business structure inside of here? So what happened is, you know, we built Treehouse from three people to about 50 and then we started to see some of the side effects of, of a traditional org chart, you know, where you had executives, you know, mid-tier managers, and then everybody else. 
And I, I just was shocked by that because I thought, hey, wait a minute, you know, we, we work a four-day week, we have a mission that really matters, you know, we've got really smart people, they, they can work from home, like why in the world would anybody start, you know, rumors about things or, or complain or, or say they weren't happy? You know, mm-hmm. I, like, how is that possible? You know, and I, I think what I realized is, oh, my gosh, like basically the, the structure, the traditional structure of all companies is almost designed for unhappiness. Hmm. Um, and it, it, it's designed to empower a few people and disempower most people. And I just thought, you know, this maybe this isn't maybe there's a better way. And so my co-founder and I, Alan, we start talking and, and we thought, I wonder if we just remove the lower layer of managers, what will happen? You know, we thought about it and then we thought, well, what if we remove the next layer? What will happen? And then we sort of said, well, what if we remove all? <laughs> what if we just don't have managers? Why not? Right. <laughs> yeah. Is that possible? It sounds, it sounds stupid, but let's just try and you, to, you yeah. removed yourself too. Yeah. Well, from what I, from what I understand, right? Yeah. I mean, so we kind of started playing with the idea and this was just over a weekend that we were talking on the phone and then we were going to fly to Orlando, which is where one of our offices is on Monday. So we thought, okay, you know, let's flesh this out. We decided we think that this is a real possibility. So what we did is we drafted this huge kind of post about it. And we, and then on Monday morning, we posted it onto our internal forum, which is called Convoy, which is kind of like Reddit. It's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like Reddit and posted it. And the, the title was Radical Idea, Remove Managers at Treehouse. And the whole company ground to a halt for two days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was like, what? You know, and, and there was 400 comments on that post. You know, and it, it kind of went in waves. Like at first, everyone's like, yeah, that sounds really fun. Yay. And then it was like, wait a minute. What does that actually mean? And <laughs> how is this going to work? And then it, and then it kind of went back up like, yes, okay, this is the right. And then, you know, up and down. And eventually we said, okay, we're going to have to take a vote. And then if, if the majority of the company wants to do it, then we'll do it. And 90% of the company, which was 42 people, said yes. And we said, okay, as of now, you know, those managers are going back into the original roles they were hired to do, you know, designers, developers, you know, video pros, teachers, and we'll figure it out. And basically we've spent the last year figuring it out. And I actually think now we actually have something that actually works. And it's pretty complex the way it works. It, it involves, you know, we've had to create some tools that are hand built and we've had to change the way we communicate. Um, we've had to change the way everybody is reviewed and how salaries work. And, and it's just totally from scratch. And I can walk you through all the elements of that if you want, but it's been a long process. And I think we finally got to something that actually is working quite well for now. What's the biggest change you've seen in the team? In doing this? Oh, just a huge amount of motivation. What we find is that as soon as we've given people power to choose what they do, their happiness level goes up tremendously. Because essentially, you're saying, hey, you know, you're smart, and you can figure out what the best thing to do is. Whereas, I mean, we've all been managed. And I think, Joel, you were a manager, right? Yeah. Uh, and, I, w- I was managed by her. Uh, uh, <laughs> ooh, let's get into that's really good. <laughs> let's dig into that i mean but it's just a it's just a hard relationship i mean yeah you know, the no man- it's it's really not fun for anybody no because the, the managers get abstracted away from the actual work and right. therefore they lose credibility and that it, it's almost impossible to fix that well and specifically in like the creative field if you're a designer or a developer and you become you take on that managerial role and you're not producing your own work anymore um, not only is that 
really dissatisfying for a creative person, but you lose your skills really fast. Exactly. Um, and, and looking at it from the manager's perspective, I know that when Joelle was the manager, she was involved in these projects, but she wasn't getting to actually produce them. When we started to work together and she learned through Treehouse and working with me, I think that working on those first projects on the front end was incredibly empowering because you're actually producing the work. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's, it just changes the whole dynamic. And I think it's been amazing. And, and, and same, you know, same with, okay, we have executives and mid-tier managers. And we pulled our, some of our best people and put them into manager roles and asked them to stop doing things. And I, I, I read some research where, and, and it was some pretty deep research. I think it was done by, by um, it might have been Harvard. And they basically found out that 10% of people are able to be good managers because of the personality traits required. What that means is 90% of the people there are terrible managers, right? I think by basically designing the whole system to benefit the 95% of people who won't take advantage of the fact that they're not being actively, you know, controlled instead of the 5% who are going to abuse it, right? It's almost as if all companies are designed around the fact that they're trying to keep the couple bad people from wrecking stuff instead of everyone else from doing good work. Yeah, that's, I think you see that also in traditional education. I remember being in college and I think it was on the first day of class, the teacher's telling us all these ways that we won't be able to cheat because he's caught people doing it in the past. <laughs> and all these rules that he's baked into to how the tests are handed out and how they're collected, and there's no way to trick him. Right. But it resulted in a terrible experience for everybody and just a bunch of stuff that didn't matter. Right. But he felt protected. Yeah, and, and obviously that's not good for innovation or for anybody. So, so how do you, how do you handle, you know, personal career growth and salary growth when everything is pretty much flat? We basically have, um, I'll, I'll back up and explain a little bit more and then I can explain that. So the way that you work at Treehouse is you, if you have an idea, you propose a project and a, a project could be something like, Hey, I want to, I want to redesign the homepage and here is the objectives and here's how we're going to measure that. And then here's the people that I need. I need a designer and I need a developer, you know, for instance. And then you hit propose. And then once a day, one of the few things we use email for is to send out a digest of all the projects that have been started, completed, and proposed that day. And then if you see a project that's proposed that you think is interesting that you can help with, you click on it and then you can join it. So you could say you're a designer like, yeah, I'm interested in that, you know. Uh, I click join on the on the designer position, and then once a developer joins, then they can start that project. And so, you know, ninety percent of projects never get started because you, you can't get enough people to buy into them, which is the same everywhere. You know, the only difference between us and other companies is that the the managers decide which are the ones that die and which ones are the ones that happen. Right. So, if a project gets started. You work on it and you complete it and you measure it and then, and, and then there you go. So once a quarter, our project management tool, which is called Flow, which does all this stuff, will spit out a list of people that you've worked with. So I'll say, okay, Ryan, you've worked with Alan, Laney, and Yvette. Go ahead and evaluate them. So you uh, go and you fill out a anonymous survey and then you answer a bunch of quantitative questions, you know, things like, you know, this person is a, a valuable member of the team. You know, I strongly agree all the way to I strongly disagree. And then we can basically 
take that feedback and then have a, actually a pretty accurate idea of whether or not you are succeeding or not. And then if it's clear you're, you're succeeding and you're killing it, then you, your results. So there's something called a review committee and the review committee are, are a body of kind of people that like we, we have an HR person and our, and our CFO and our, you know, a couple of people that are on this committee that are kind of indifferent and, and able to be helpful. And they look at your results and then they meet with you over a Google Hangout and they'll say, Hey, you're doing really a great job. We're going to recommend that you get a salary increase of X percent or, you know, you're doing great, but you're, you appear to be meeting expectations. So you're not going to get a salary raise or it's clear there's a problem and we're going to issue you a, a formal warning and you have uh, one week to come back with a plan and how you're going to fix that. And then you have one month to implement that plan. And if, if you don't, make progress, then we let you go. This whole process seems to be working really well. We've issued a decent amount of formal warnings. So it proves that, you know, the system is catching people and keeping them accountable. We've had to let maybe a couple people go because of things. But we've also, you know, and a lot of the formal warnings we've issued, the people have come and turn around and fix the problems. It's been great. So yeah, it appears to be working. It's not perfect, but it, it, it's better than most systems. What's an example of when you had to pull your co-founder card? Ah, that's funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, the idea there is just, hey, you know, I, I don't anymore, you know, tell people what to do. But there is times when it's just really important to say, you know what, I can see the whole picture and you can't just because you don't think about it every day. So I really, I really need you to do this. That doesn't happen very often, actually. What instead of doing that, what we've really evolved into doing is laying out a very clear list of initiatives for the next 12 months. So Alan and I basically sit down once a year and we say, we, we think these are the five or six really important things that the whole company needs to focus on for the next 12 months. You know, and they're very high level things. Like we want to put a thousand people in jobs, you know, in the next 12 months. We want to increase the course completion rate on all of our courses, you know, to, to X, you know, we want to increase revenue to Y. And then the company decides how they're going to do those things. Um, and that really setting those initiatives has taken place of pulling a co-founder card because mainly once you set those things, you know, people pretty much figure out how to do what they're supposed to do. Um, so, so that's, I haven't really done that for a while now, which is nice. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I recently talked to Thomas Canole, who wrote a Medium post about how he just flat out banned email at his company. And oh, yeah. it was kind of based on Hunter Walks wanting to kill CC and BCC. Yep. Um, and you guys have some interesting rules about internal email. Um, I'd love to hear them from you so people yeah. can kind of understand how you guys are progressing past that. Cool. So we we basically... Um, you know, realize that once you remove managers, uh, you don't have people who hold information anymore. You know, information is now kind of spread around at, amongst the whole team. And, and therefore, if people are emailing each other, then that information is siloed and you can't get it, right? Mm -hmm. So like if I want to know what's going on on this project over here, if two people are working on it and they're using email, there's no way I can see it. Um, so we basically said, well... We, we just can't do that. Like you have to, to, to communicate by default in public and therefore people can come and read what's going on. Nice. So that, that was the first thing that we, that, that's one of the reasons. But the second reason is, um, and that, that's the, that's the primary reason that we said you can't use email. 
Um, the second reason is basically for for the same reasons other people have said is email is ridiculously inefficient. You know, um, it's you know other people putting things on your to do list. It it causes extra work. It's 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 almost too easy, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's another reason that we've that we've banned internal email, um, and so I, I I only get probably two or three emails a day from the team, and that's only because I'm I'm being looped into a conversation that they're having with somebody outside the company, you know, like like so for instance, I mean, you guys emailed in maybe to me tasked to do this interview. Then I looped in Shauna and said, Hey, can you schedule it? You know, and, and that's the only reason I would email somebody inside the company. Um, and, and it's amazing. It, you know, it really is working. And, um, and then what I do with my personal email, cause I, as a CEO, I get a ton, I, I get a ton of email, but it's all from that, you know, the outside world. Um, every morning I wake up at four AM and, uh, and that allows me to kind of wander downstairs, get some coffee, have a protein shake, and then <laughs> sit, sit in front of my computer. And, and then I, I, I have a to-do list every day that reoccurs that's called a triage email. <laughs> and what I, so what I do is I, I select all my email. You know, I use Gmail. And then I scroll down and I star the emails that I need to respond to. Okay. And then I archive all. And, um, and that's how I triage it. So now I'm like, okay, you know, I've, I've selected stuff I need to answer. Um, but everything else is gone. Um, and then I have another to-do list and I use Asana for my personal to-do list that recurs every day. And it says answer 10 start emails. So then I dive into my start emails and I, and I answer 10 of them. Um, and that kind of cadence allows me to feel not overwhelmed by my email, but to make constant progress and to, also filter out all the email that I don't really need to answer or I shouldn't answer because it's not important to Treehouse. Wow. Um, yeah, and that, awesome. that, it works pretty well. Very cool. So, Ryan, where can we keep up with you and Treehouse online? Uh, so, I um, am at, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Ryan Carson. Um, and on Treehouse, we're just team Treehouse, T-E-A-M, treehouse.com. And then I have a blog too, ryancarson.com. Uh, where, I, where I try to blog as much as I can about you know how all this crazy stuff works. Yeah, and that's actually where um, you you outline in a five part series about um, this uh, kind of new company structure. Um, mm. So if anyone's interested, that's a great resource for it. Definitely, yeah. And I and I need to keep blogging because what's happening is we're adapting and evolving the process so quickly that uh, a lot of stuff changes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going on that. Good. Good to hear. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. This is great. Thanks. Thanks. It's an honor to be on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter. We're twice monthly. We send out actionable advice for entrepreneurs and exclusive links to AMAs with our guests. That's rocketship.fm. Sign up today.
when I high five the sky.